Move Against Cancer podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma Hillier Moses, Move Charity founder, lover of all things running, travel, and tea. And I'm Lucy Gossage, oncologist, outdoor adventure lover, and 5K UA co founder. I'm Georgie Freeman, lover of exploring new places and the 5K UA manager. The reason we originally set up this podcast was to inspire and support and empower people to move and live an active and fulfilling life despite a cancer diagnosis. In this podcast, we want to share the stories of ordinary people doing incredible things as they find their own way to move against cancer. Going through cancer treatment can feel incredibly isolating and lonely. There's so much behind every individual cancer journey and so much of it is unseen and often unspoken. We want to explore the ways our guests navigate their way through the unimaginable. And we hope that by doing this, we can provide you with some tips, some tools and some inspiration to make your journey that little bit easier. We'll cover every aspect of living with and after cancer, from physical and psychological well-being, identity, goal setting, mindset, staying active, grief and loss, family and friends, and so much more. We will make you laugh, but we also may make you cry. But we guarantee that you'll take something away from every single episode. So we do really hope that you enjoy listening. Hello, thank you so much for listening to the Move Against Cancer podcast. Um, It's Lucy Gossage here, and I have had the utter privilege of chatting to someone who's become a very good friend of mine, Luke Grenfellshaw. Um, now, Luke and I were introduced to each other about two years ago through a friend of a friend. And the brief I got about Luke was that he had just finished treatment for stage four sarcoma. He was wanting, planning to cycle from Bristol to China on a tandem. And he wanted to fundraise for cancer charities that he believed in, one of which was 5K Your Way. Now, obviously, all of those things uh, hit all of my buttons. And of course, I wanted to have a conversation with Luke. 5K Your Way at the time was very much in its infancy. Um, and I remember having having a conversation at work um, in between clinics. And I put the phone down and I just was blown away by Luke's zest for living, his passion to make the most out of every single opportunity and his utter belief that he would be able to get to China despite his his you know his very recent diagnosis of stage four cancer um since then luke and i have become really good friends um we met back in january 2020 um luke came to the nottingham 5k your way group he was at the time he'd just started his journey to uh china um and he was doing a tour of some of the teenage cancer trust units in the united kingdom um he then, so he set off in January 2020, um, made his way, started making his way across Europe. And then obviously in March 2020, um, COVID hit. Luke ploughed on as long as he could, um, but ultimately he did have to come back to the UK uh, for the majority of the summer. But typical Luke fashion, he didn't sit around moping. He um, found new ways to have adventures, um, one of which um, I was really privileged to join with, to share with him. So he joined me for a few days of of an off-road cycle touring trip I was doing up to Scotland last summer. And we had some fun times, wild camping in places we probably shouldn't have been camping. Um, and one particularly very, very wet, windy and wild day on the Yorkshire Moors. Um, Luke has, um, you know, one of the other things that he did that summer, he set up a podcast. It's a brilliant podcast. It started up as a Facing Up podcast and it now morphed into the Bristol to Beijing podcast. It's worth a listen um, if you uh, fancy hearing about his adventure from the horse's mouth himself. 
Um, now, much of Luke's story has been told before. And actually, um, if you're interested in hearing a little bit about Luke's diagnosis and what it was like for him to be going through his cancer treatment, um, I'm going to signpost you to the Inside Tri Show podcast, which is run by Helen Murray, who runs the Move Online Virtual uh Cancer Rehab Programme. Um, Helen is a far more uh, experienced interviewee than I am. Um, she uh, she did a brilliant interview with Luke uh, back in January 2020. So I'm not going to rehash that. Helen and Luke had a conversation that was far better than any conversation that I could have. Um, so I would signpost you towards that. So that's episode 11 of the Inside Tri Show podcast. Um, we talk a little bit about the here and now, what life is like for Luke. Um, three years down the line from his cancer diagnosis. Um, because Luke is such a good friend, I actually feel like I haven't really done this podcast uh, justice. I feel like so many of the things that we could have discussed, I kind of missed out because we talked about them already um, and we were jumping around a little bit. Um, and I just feel like there's so much more I would have liked to have explored with Luke. But as I say, I hope it's given you a little bit of a taste of what an incredible person uh, Luke is um, and, and perhaps explored a little bit about the ups and downs of living after a cancer diagnosis when you didn't originally expect to, to, to do so. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah, over to, to the interview. Hello and welcome to the Move Against Cancer podcast with Lucy Gossage and me. <laughs> <laughs> we might want to do that again. No, <laughs> Sketchy. Um, <laughs> interesting start to the podcast. We might um, want to ditch that. We might want to ditch um, that. No, um, no, no, no. <clears throat> As I said, we don't edit. Um, oh so <laughs> I'm Lucy Gossage. I'm here with Luke Benbojore. Who's hosting this podcast today? <laughs> As you know, I love to turn it on its tables, and you, you thought you were going to be asking the questions, and it would be my uh, my attempt is to just turn it all around. So. Um, so, a little bit of backstory: Luke has become a very good friend. Uh, we met about well, we we kind of spoke on the phone a couple of years ago, and have since become very good friends. Um, he's interrogated me very intensely, so I'm looking forward to turning the tables. Um, we've actually just had a nice walk across central London and he's um, even that he's been asking me the meaning of life several times. Um, <laughs> Luke, just um, I, we I want to talk about the here and now um, with you, um, but we need to give a little bit of a backstory. And I suspect if I were to ask you to summarise, you'd find it quite hard to do so and you'd perhaps be a little bit modest. So if it's all right, I'm just going to take from your website, Bristol to Beijing, your story uh you might cringe <laughs> you can Probably correct will cringe. Yeah. but it's in is on your website so this is Luke's story um I was fortunate to grow up in a loving and supportive family I constantly argued with my brother John but on the weekends we went orienteering together in the forest nearby I worked hard at school had a very minor teenage rebellion and got a degree from a good university Whilst I'd enjoyed in adventures in Russia, the Middle East and Africa, the traditional corporate career ladder beckoned. Before embarking on my planned career, I spent some time working as an English teacher in Siberia. Whilst there, I also competed in ultramarathons in the Urals and ran trail races through the forest. A persistent ache in my left shoulder eventually led me to visit the school nurse. 48 hours later, I was back in the UK with a biopsy needle sticking into my back. On the 19th of June 2018, my doctor told me I had cancer, a very rare and aggressive sarcoma. It was already metastatic. 
the primary tumor had spread to my lungs. There were 13 nodules. I was 24. I began chemotherapy in July. During my first round of chemotherapy, my brother, John, fell to his death, death in the Lake District. John was 25. I didn't have a chance to grieve for John. The next year saw me undergo chemotherapy, surgery and radiotherapy. Yet I did everything that I could to keep living richly and fully. Halfway through chemotherapy in September 2018, I finished the Bristol Half Marathon in one hour, 20 minutes and eight seconds. I started a master's in water science policy and management at the University of Oxford in the autumn of 2018 whilst on chemotherapy. I graduated a year later. I kept on racing, I kept on winning. I continued my passion for travel and I made new friends. It's my firm belief that we can all live richly and fully even with cancer. It's up to us all to pro proactively create our own opportunities to live our best lives today, tomorrow and every day after that. I then set out to live my dream, cycling from Bristol to Beijing on a tandem, joined by other can livers, rewriting the narrative of what is possible with a cancer diagnosis. I could see your facial expressions in that you're cringing. But that, I mean, those words, I read them on the train last night and they're, they're so powerful. And I mean, what does it make you feel reading, hear, hearing those read out? Oh, that is a really difficult question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of the, one of the things that comes across to me there is like that is a message that's designed to designed to have an impact, I guess. Like it's designed to make people kind of look up and go, I should take note of what that person's done and maybe how they've done things. And like, I guess I just now see it as um, there's a lot, lot more beyond that. And that's the kind of like the PR savvy, punchy, focused message that can yeah grab attention. Um, and I guess there's just much, much more than that. But, you know, and it's also, I guess, this sort of like it, it really plays down the, the the difficulties and like the really rubbish, rubbish moments. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, my my brother died and then I went to Oxford. And it's like, yeah, that 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 might make a great story, but it completely bypasses what happened in between and like where the difficult bits really were, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess um, you've done lots of interviews before about the the difficult parts and what it was like to to go through the cancer treatment and how you kept on exercising and and a little bit about kind of why you started the Bristol to Beijing movement. But one of the first things that you said, so I remember when you phoned me, and it was about three years ago, and it was a friend of a friend, and um, I remember it was in the middle of um, in the middle of an MDT in clinic, and um, this random guy, and I just put the phone down. I was like, "Oh my god!" Sometimes people, you just know that they're worth pursuing things, and you you had this scatterbrained idea. It seemed very scatterbrained that you were going to cycle to China. You'd only just finished your cancer treatment. You hadn't thought about how on earth you were ever going to get a scan, or you know, my doctor had well, how is this going to work? Like, what's going to happen if the cancer comes back, et cetera? Mm. Um, but you'd coined this term, can liver, mm. um, which I loved. So just talk about, about that phrase and what it means. Yeah, this really came back to the... So the way I've always... There's this term cancer survivor, right? Which 
uh, I really dislike because I feel it miss it inaccurately portrays what it is like to have cancer. And what really what was a really powerful moment for me is there's this Imagine Dragons video on YouTube, and it's dedicated to a guy called Tyler. Um, and he, you know, there's this picture, this video at the end, um, end of the song of him like headbanging in a mosh pit. He's got no hair and he's, you know, he's on chemotherapy. And I went and visited his website and it talks about how he's you know, 17 years old. He's diagnosed with a sarcoma. Um, and like, you know, there's a blog post um, which was, says, you know, I'm now, you know, cancer free and I'm a cancer survivor and, you know, everything's great. And then there's a postscript to it that's like after three months later, Tyler died. And so this idea that somehow, you know, when you're a cancer survivor, you've won, you've beaten cancer, you're victorious, you're certain about your future. Um, it was something that just absolutely didn't apply to me. Um, I didn't feel it did. And it sort of belittles what it is to then live with the uncertainty of whether cancer comes back. And it belittles the sort of the day-to-day -day challenges of facing something which is really tiring and, and really taxing. And there's also this idea that if you survived, you've won. And the people who haven't survived, they somehow like not fought, in inverted commas, hard enough. And there's this like weird vocabulary that we use, particularly around cancer, you know, of like battles, winning, losing. Uh, they were brave, you know, and it's, am I allowed to swear on this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's bullshit. Like, mm -hmm. it's absolute bullshit. Like, that some people somehow like, oh, they just didn't have the willpower and so the chemotherapy didn't work. I mean, that's nonsense, you know, and like a large, large part of the reason I'm here is just because I was lucky. And everyone can like look at me now and go, oh, well, he's just a positive guy who cycled his way through treatment. And I really like to think that helped. And I'm sure it did help. But like if the chemotherapy hadn't worked, it wouldn't have worked. And it, I could have done any amount of cycling and I wouldn't be here. So to bring it around to where can liver comes in, I wanted to have a different term that both sort of was realistic about what it is like to have cancer and also sort of uh, summed up the opportunities that you can have and the, the, the ability still to live a good life. And so for me, the term can liver is... You know, someone who lives with cancer and on one side that is recognizing the, the challenges and the opportunities that come with a ca cancer diagnosis, whether that's going through treatment, uh, whether that's like having to walk into a room of new people and everyone looks at your bald head and they mm -hmm. kind of think something's going on and you're like, well, do I tell them? Do I not tell them? I don't really want to have to tell people. So just like really day-to-day -day challenges or like losing your hair or... Um, you know, getting really out of breath when you're trying to like walk because your blood cell count is down um, or having your like back disintegrate from like radiotherapy and like being in lectures and um, feeling like really disgusting because you can feel like really itchy on your back. This is when I had radiotherapy and like going to the toilets, taking off a vest and just seeing it like covered in pus. So like there's some big challenges and then there are uncertainties of like, okay, I'm so talking about myself right now, you know, I'm still here, but I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. I don't know if the cancer will come back. Like that's a uncertainty that I have to 
deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and it's going to be with me probably for a very long time maybe forever um okay so that's like the kind of realism the negative side of this term what it is to live with cancer to be a can liver but on the other side you can live with cancer you can still do so much you can live your dreams you can have a rich and fulfilling life and even with cancer there is so much you can do to make the best of that situation to try and put yourself in the best possible position to get through it and regardless of whether you get through it or not you've got the opportunity to make the most of the time that you do have and to me that's the really positive and uplifting part of what it is to be a can liver that you have a choice still of how you react to it and you can still fill your life full of things that are positive and meaningful and exciting so i i mean i i love that and i i just remember having that conversation with you and 5k your way was only we'd only been going a year i think and we're just starting to grow and i like this is this is what we're about this is the terminology mm. that's the phrase that if i could encapsulate what we want to achieve it's it's exactly that it, it's mm. being a can liver um i guess it's not always easy though when you have publicly put yourself out there as that's what I mean are there times where you where you regret putting yourself in the public eye a little bit and and kind of making your life based around cancer being so public um generally not generally I've been really happy at this point in my life to try and publicize and spread a message that you you can live with cancer um and and really be the person that i wanted to hear about when i was diagnosed because when i was diagnosed um i really really wanted to see someone who had stage four cancer who had gone on to like then live and and do stuff because it was like a hopeless situation it really felt hopeless like you're basically told you've got a few months to live you know may, maybe a couple of years um and you know if the chemotherapy hadn't worked it, yeah I probably wouldn't have seen Christmas um so you know apart from like Lance Armstrong there wasn't really anyone I you know who did stage four cancer and he had testicular cancer that's very curable yeah. So I just didn't see anyone out there. And for, for me, that was a big motivation for sort of being public. And it still is. For me, the difficulties of, of being public are more the, yeah, I, I said this lots of times in different ways. You know, I really don't like social media. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that takes us out of our present. I think that it, um, I would much rather everyone, instead of looking at my posts on Instagram, just did their own, just spent that 30 seconds doing something that was kind of more enjoyable and, and engaging and just being on your sofa. Um, that That's my kind of take with it. So, so having the, the kind of responsibilities that come with it in terms of having a public persona and keeping it up, I think for me, that's one of the things I, I don't like about it so much. Um, but you've now got, you have got people that help you with that. So you can Absolutely. do the living and you've got other people who can can promote that to because because fundamentally unless you share your story you know you said you wanted to hear about other people well it's you know I think it's clearly 
it's just as long as you're doing what makes you happy that's mm. really all that matters but if a, an aspiration is to provide hope to other people unless people hear about it you're not achieving that yeah yeah that's that is an interesting that's a fair point and i absolutely there's an amazing team behind bristol to beijing and they are the people who make it something worth talking about and make it what it is and have helped us reach i don't know thousands and thousands of people and raise a lot of money for different charities including 5k your way um and they help with the social media but it perhaps sounds trivial but the thought that every day i should be taking a few photos for the Instagram account that still takes me out of the moment of mm -hmm. I just want to have a conversation with this person rather than at some point being like can we just stop and can we just you know can I just get a photo of you and because I know that this is um you know you're feeding the beast the machine of social media it's, it's definitely um I mean, we've sorry well I'm just at one end of this and I'm very aware that you know I'm, I'm a little bit of a I'm at one end of the scale on about social media yeah it's something we talked quite a lot about offline I can I can relate to it um but um so I guess you know you started well you started Bristol to Beijing and the concept is to do what it says on the tin you were going to get from Bristol to Beijing on a tandem um we'll talk about the tandem I I imagine when you started there were a few things that could derail it um cancer perhaps being one of them but the actual things that have derailed it have been very, very different. So um, tell us, you know, why did you start it? How, what's happened so far? It, tell us what you want to tell, because there are so many things we could talk about. Um, I mean, the real reason I started it was because for me, cycling on a tandem bike across Eurasia seemed the most exciting and enriching way that I could live. For me, it just sounded like, uh full full of experiences and variety both the good and the bad um and i think that creates richness and that's what i identified for myself when i was diagnosed with with cancer of like if i can only do one thing i want to have the richest possible experiences like both the good and the bad and i don't think you can have one really without the other otherwise you just go on holiday and you don't take any risks and you just enjoy being by the beach which is nice for like a few weeks but it's not something for to do for a few months but now so i this is something i don't know how to explore so you you had that aspiration you were diagnosed with cancer you finished your treatment my understanding from our conversations is that you thought you had a very limited life expectancy mm. and you started the ride and we met in january 2020 mm. and you just started and then covid hit march 2020 i remember you phoned me up you had this conversation you didn't really have any idea how bad covid was in the uk um you ended up back in the UK that took several months up the journey and then you started back up again but from the chats we've had I think I think maybe your your reasons for doing the journey have changed and you've had a little bit of soul searching about perhaps the reasons you started and not necessarily the same as the reasons that you're continuing it well I think one thing that's become bigger and bigger and really developed throughout the ride was the um the potential and hope that it could impact other people really positively you know it really started out as me wanting to have a have a jolly on a bike and have a lot of different experiences 
And I think as the ride has gone on, perhaps more and more, the uh, hope that through um, meeting a lot of different people en route, like in, in hospitals or in orphanages or schools throughout Central Asia, through Turkey, in Moldova, um, and hopefully in future through like Pakistan and India, that it can have a real tangible positive impact. And I think that part of it has become uh, stronger and stronger as, as a motivation and um, hoping to have, have that impact. So I think that is, that is a big thing. So is that why, because at the moment we're back in the UK and, um, you know, you, it was a big decision whether you could, in inverted commas, break this expedition because mm. mm. there was no reason you didn't have to come back. Mm. Um, I, I don't know that you've answered fully why you're continuing. Um, I'm, I'm continuing because I'm still excited to be back on the road that there are places ahead through Pakistan and India that I am really excited to see. And I I feel that there's, that I haven't finished the journey either. Like I set out for Beijing and I'm excited to see what happens along the way to get there. And I don't feel like I could just sort of sort of stop the journey here right now and feel content and happy that I've you know just I'll start just writing a book here in in the UK or getting involved in something else. They definitely feel like there are stones unturned as yet. So so you the reason I'm I'm pushing on this mm, is because you interviewed me once um, and I <laughs> I finished a PhD and and you you know I hated it I really I'm mm. you're not hating your journey but I I was really struggling mm. and you really pushed me on why I finished it mm, mm. and um, okay yeah how much of it is that you've set up to do something and you would see it as failure if you didn't get to Beijing. And how much is it that you actually really want to do it for yourself? And how much is it that you really want to share your message? And I guess whether that message has changed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely fair to sort of really challenge and drill down on this point. And I absolutely did the same um, <laughs> like a year and a half ago to you. And it was really interesting as a conversation. Um, and I think it's really interesting just to explore these things. Um what was I going to say? Um, so this this ride is one of the toughest things that I've done. And there are like many, many things that have left me exhausted. And like I've been at times really, really tired and like not sure if I'm doing a good job with it. And uh you're unsure if I can sustain the level of energy that's required because a lot of the time I'm on show, I give a lot of myself and I'm doing presentations and talks and um, someone asks why I'm doing this ride. And of course, that's a really reasonable question. Are they really wanting to hear a reply that goes something like I was diagnosed with cancer three years ago? Do I want that conversation after 50 miles on the bike and I'm tired and all I wanted was an ice cream in the shop? Mm -hmm. You know, um, but it's also been by far and away the most rewarding thing that I've done. It's the most meaningful thing that I've done in my life. Um, 
And so in terms of like an activity or a task, I think there are also relationships in my life that are incredibly important. And that's a big reason I came back was because this was all about trying to live my life as richly and fully as possible. Uh, and actually relationships, friendships are a big part of that. And I wasn't putting time into them as much time as I'd like on the road via a Zoom link every so often. Um, would, I, would I think it's a failure to not get to Beijing. I think it's, if I, let me answer this question. Like if, if at this point I was dreading going back mm -hmm. out, if at this point I had no excitement in me to, to get back on the road, then I think it would be pretty clear that it wouldn't be a very good decision or I'd be making that decision for the wrong reasons. I feel I should be getting back out on that bike to finish a journey to, um, you know, in, inspire people or whatever. But actually, you know, my message is living life as richly and fully as possible. Um, and if I saw that I was going to do that through being in the UK or being, um, you know, I don't know, selling myself as a cancer rehab instructor or something <laughs> like that, joining 5K your way, I think what you do, and you know, this is absolutely awesome. And it's the charity that I would set up if I was to set up a charity that you've done it for me, which is brilliant. So we can just support you. If... You know, if I saw that as the most meaningful and rich way I could live my life being Hindu in the UK, then I would stop. But I don't see it like that. And so I do want to continue because there there will be a lot of difficult times ahead. But I think it will be um, it's something I'm still excited to do. And I still think it's going to be very rich and rewarding. Well, does I that answer your question yet? You, you can push further. I'm absolutely no, it, it. It, it kind of does. And I think that's, you know, it's one of the things that I learned from... Um, you know, doing a PhD, I did it for the wrong reasons. And, and I think that's taught me never to do something just because you can. Mm. And um, that was a pretty convincing answer. I guess something I, I quite like to delve into, and I don't, I don't really know how to ask. Um, but when you started, this journey was all about living after stage four cancer or with stage mm. four cancer. Mm. And, it, you know, the longer it goes um, since your diagnosis, you kind of alluded to it it's exhausting talking about cancer the whole time mm. and I can imagine that perhaps there's a bit of you that wants to step away from that and actually just be Luke who's cycling to live the most fulfilling life take cancer out the equation is how, how do you so I don't know the ins and outs of this exactly I guess I'm in remission right now I know I'm incredibly lucky to have got this far but I don't know, you probably know much better than I do what it means, in inverted commas, to have got three years down the line from like your last chemotherapy course. If like, if in three years, if you, if the cancer was going to return, it would have returned within three years. But as far as I'm concerned, it could that, you know, I've got a scan coming up in a week's time and like, we're going to remove this bit from the podcast if it's bad for news. <laughs> um and as far as i'm concerned like every time i have a scan i could get bad news um and that will turn this whole ride upside down it'll turn my life upside down um at some point you you can't live your whole life in fear of you know getting bad news and you, at some point you have to say well i've been around for a while i'm probably going to be around for a bit longer you know significant time longer um i think in my head probably at the end of this ride that will be a closing of a chapter and I think it will also probably be somewhat a closing of a chapter of Luke defined by cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, I still hope to 
write books and do talks about it and what I've gained, but I love having uh, an identity when I'm just loot this random person that people don't know anything about. And you also, it's, I think it's a very healthy thing to be as well. I think it's really unhealthy if um, people are like, oh, you, you, you cycled, you've had cancer. Oh my God, you're the most interesting person I've met today. Uh, and it makes you a really lazy conversationalist because it's just very one-sided, you know, as this conversation is a little bit right now. But um, I think it's really important to, everyone has a story to tell. Everyone does. And actually they're all equally valid. I mean, you, you are one of the most fascinating and <laughs> intriguing people I've met. And we have, um, yeah. no, you, you are a takeaway the cancer. Um, mm. I wish I'd met you in many ways before, you know, mm. because it, it, I, I've actually found it really interesting getting to know you as a, as a friend. Nothing to do, you know, nothing to do with your cancer. We've just met because through a friend and we've got, we've got similar goals. But I think going off, off tangent, something I can never get my head around is how how people do live with that uncertainty and and you know that that scan coming up next week mm. um I you know at the moment we're waiting so many weeks to get scans reported and I, I have a little bit of an inkling about how how hard that is for patients but how 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 do you deal with that not you know you not knowing that your next however chunk of time will be defined by that scan? <clears throat> um, I mean, I can't control what that scan result contains and it doesn't really generally help to kind of dwell on it unduly. And that's all very well and good to say, but like in practice, it's not something you mm. can control very much. Um, and I think definitely when it comes like close to the scan time, um it is on my mind and i get all sorts of you know phantom niggles of you know am i are my lungs a bit painful do i have back pain is my breathing okay uh, and thank goodness up to now when i have had scan results it's like okay that was me just sort of being overreacting a little bit um it's, it's very, very weird. Those days are very odd because up to now, I've gone into a hospital room knowing that everything in my life could get turned upside down, you know, 15 minutes later and all my plans will have to be uprooted and my hope to cycle to Beijing will probably be out the window. But 15 minutes later, after this potentially huge buildup, your life continues as usual mm. and nothing has changed, but everything could have changed. And that's just part of what it is to be a can liver. I suppose that's part of what it is to live with cancer. It's not a very pleasant thing, but um, it's better to be alive and have that than not be alive at all. Is it exhausting living a life, I guess, almost with such urgency, like planning, planning, planning so much for the short term because you don't know what the long term might hold? I think this does come down to a, a matter of perspective. 
which means that you can do the same actions and it can either feel really great or it can be really stressful. And like perspective is one of those things that when you have it, it's all going according to plan. And when you don't have it, it's really difficult to sort of get it back. You know, so what I'm talking about is if you don't think you have much time, there is the mindset of like, this time is so precious. I want to do so much of this. Like, how could I possibly be annoyed that like it's raining today or, you know, I missed my train because my God, I'm alive. Like, that's fucking amazing. Like, I might not be alive in three months. Like, this is just, just wonderful. Um, so there can be that sort of, you know, real appreciation of, of living and wanting to get the most out of time. And so that's not pressure. That's just like, I want to make the most of everything. Um, and then, yeah, I think then there can be like a negative side to it of just feeling like you've got to get as much out, you know, that there, there isn't much time and time time's ticking. I don't think I've ever really had that perspective and I don't think it's a helpful one to have um, because that's just a very negative way of, of seeing, you know, everything. But if you can sort of change your mindset and think, you know, this time, I don't know how long I've got. It might not be long, but this is incredibly precious. Like, what do I really want to do with this time? And I'll just fill it with that. Um, but I am at the point now of probably my horizons beginning to move away from the short term to the medium term. And it's all very well me saying, well, I don't need to plan beyond this week or this month or, you know what, like, I'm not saving for a pension. <laughs> what would I do that for? Or like, why would I bother like putting down a deposit for a house? Well, these things, not really the pension, but you know, some of these issues become like more important. Like at some point I need to earn a salary that will keep me going long-term rather than living off an expedition budget. That's not a sustainable life strategy if I'm here for five years. So that is a, that's a stage I'm sort of more, moving into but I think it's also so easy to just get lost in the future and I think that's what we do as a society a huge huge amount we get lost in future concerns um other people do this much better than me but there can definitely be an argument of like you know what uh I don't know what I will be doing after the ride and this is one of people's like favorite questions it's like what will you do next um you know and honestly I don't know but I'm pretty sure there'll be something that I can do and it will keep me going and so like to what extent does it help to plan at this point probably not as much as we as we think you know because everything can change between now and then and maybe better opportunities will come along or you know maybe i'll never get there and what was the point of spending so much time agonizing over it and i yeah i always wonder whether you know being an oncologist makes me think that way but i i when i got my mortgage i I hated it because that was tying me down and I yeah. loved that fact that I was just renting and I could uproot mm. at any point. And um, yeah, I, I don't plan, but I dream. And mm -hmm. I wonder if you let yourself dream of the future or not. Mm, not really. No, I don't dream too much about the future. I think I am excited to be doing what I'm doing now. I'm very lucky to be excited about what I'm doing and to have... I suppose I am living my dream. You know, th this this is my dream, Lucy. You know, I thought, you know, like three years ago, like if I could do anything, it would be cycle around the world. I am now cycling around the world. And then it, there's, when I was initially cycling through Europe, Western Europe, I was doing my dream, but everything was like very familiar. 
I was like in Vienna and I was sort of wandering around and everything felt just normal. And I was like, well, I'm living my dream, but it's, it's kind of unremarkable. Like what, what am I doing? You know, like I was trying to find mm. a lot of meaning in just being in Vienna, which I was really mm. struggling with. Um, and since then I've had a lot more adventures and like cultures are just massively different. And so things just strike you and you have these conversations where you're like, whoa, I did not realize that you thought like that, like, you know, meeting some individuals have very, very different views. And that just, um, that's really, that's part of this richness. And some of them you agree with and think are great. And some of them you think, my goodness, that's, it's very different to how I think about life. Um, particularly say like the family and women's roles mm. across Central Asia, that's, that's really mm. quite different in some places. Um, I should say Luke's got a very good podcast which we'll link to which is um it, it's brilliant I, I love hearing some of the stories um and reflections on your on your travels um something I'm I'm kind of in awe of was how you dealt with with Covid scuppering everything because mm. you you know you were under the impression you had a very limited time you were living your dream and then two and a half months into it and I'll never forget that phone call we had and you know where you were trying to decide whether to come back to the UK or not, it, mm. it was cut short. And how, well, how did you deal with that? And I suppose getting diagnosed with cancer made COVID quite straightforward in the mindset to take. Because when you get diagnosed with cancer, there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it but you do have a choice of how you respond to it. And when COVID happened, I couldn't do anything about that. There was a pandemic going around the world, but I did have a choice of how I was gonna use my time back in the UK. And that was something I was incredibly aware of, that I could either be incredibly resentful of this pandemic and the fact that it's stopped my dream of a lifetime. But if I did that, then I would just spend like, months in Bristol being grumpy and resentful and when you look at back at that you're like I just spent five months being unhappy how is that possibly like a good use of time mm. like wouldn't I like to look back on that time wouldn't I've enjoyed myself if I had allowed myself to just enjoy the situation I found myself in and that's what I tried to do of saying well I, I can't cycle around the world what can I do in this situation and you know I set up the podcast which initially was facing up, talking to other people, how they face their challenges. It's now the Bristol to Beijing podcast. <clears throat> but what can I do in this situation? And that was the podcast that was writing, that was going on, like running adventures with a baby bag and <laughs> you know, sleeping in bushes and something I'd never done before. So there were still opportunities for doing different things and for growth. And I think the most important part of this is that everyone is able to do that no matter what situation they're in. Sure, it won't necessarily be a huge change, but whatever situation you find yourself in, there will be things that you can do to improve your life in that situation. And that, why wouldn't you? But I don't think we've all got that choice. I I agree, but I I think it can be also quite exhausting. Like, do you ever? So this is it, it is not a parallel at all. But you know, I was very aware last year when. At the end of the summer that I was doing all these crazy things at weekends very aware that Covid was brewing and it was highly lucky that we were going to get locked down again and 
you know, every weekend I'd take myself off on some kind of adventure. And I got to, you know, middle of September and, and a bit of me was thinking, God, I just just want to have a weekend where I do nothing mm. and I read a book on the sofa. Mm. Do you ever do you ever let yourself just just stop and not do anything useful, not do anything that's amazing and just be because that's what you want to do? Um, I would say I do, yeah. But I, I drink a lot of coffee. I spend a lot of time just reading books. Like, uh, if, if anything, I have the insecurity, and maybe this sounds ridiculous, but like, I have the insecurity, and I definitely am aware of this, of, like, um, thinking, like, if I work, like, a proper nine-to-five schedule, like, say I'm back in the UK, I could work a proper nine-to-five schedule. Like, how much could I get done? Whereas in reality probably right now i'm putting in four five hours effective working time in a day and, and enjoying myself beyond it so actually that, that there's a mix yeah I, I do get that time off and then i'm also kind of like how can i do more with my time did well, you give yourself the time off did you actually take a weekend to do nothing no i didn't and it was actually it was a relief when lockdown came mm. um and, and i i you know i'm 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 guilty of it now. And I said the other day, do you know, I, I actually wouldn't mind if someone said you have a month where you can just see friends outside and you can't socialize because it would allow me to, to step back mm. a little bit. But I don't think that's necessarily a, a healthy, healthy way of being. Mm. But I think this is where you, like taking a long term perspective into these things is really important of like, what is if, if the aim is to have a have a great life, let's say living richly and fully if you're then verging towards burnout, which is kind of what it sounds mm. like, that's no longer living richly and fully, right? You might think it is because you tell yourself that you really love cycling and running, which I know you do, um, but you might not actually, you know, it's a balance. Ultimately, you probably, no one probably wants to like run and cycle for 10 hours every single day at one extreme. So where is that, you know, maybe at mm. some point it's like, yes you love these things but you might actually not love them like 10 weekends on the road and 10 weekends on the trot and so is your life richer and more fulfilling if you actually take you know one weekend in every month to just I guess what I'm out? trying to get at is yeah? is the lockdown coming is the only time that I've ever in my yeah. life had that that feeling of urgency <clears throat> of you don't know what's around the corner. This might all get taken away. Right. Next weekend, you might not be able okay. to. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's it's nothing like cancer, but mm. um, I imagine perhaps in some tiny way, mm. it's, okay. it's like that living from, you know, from mm-hmm. scan to scan. Mm-hmm. You don't know what next week or whenever your next scan. Mm. And I just wondered if that is exhausting, living like that, or, or whether you even let yourself think like that or not. I think that's probably where staying in the present really, really helps. It doesn't fully chime with my experience of being exhausted by that. Yes, there are uncertainties, but I think then if you can just really focus on just today and then the next day and not worry too much about the future because you can't control it. You know, I think the mentality of knowing that you're doing everything that you can to help yourself in the present for the future and you're doing everything that you want to be doing right now so you're making the most of your present and you're in it you're really immersed in what you're doing I think that's probably a really healthy place to be in and a good attitude and maybe it's another question of how you get into that space Mm -hmm. and that's a more difficult one so I hope you don't ask me that (laughs) but that's probably to me the how the sort of 
the, the way that you're not getting exhausted by the uncertainty of the future. Yeah, and I guess that's what I, I can't, and I'm sure everyone, everyone has different ways and, and what works for someone would not work for other mm. others. How, like, do you, do you think of can your cancer every day or is it something that you, you know? Um, not anymore. I definitely, there were times when I did and like, yeah, short early on for the first year, for the first 18 months, two years. Yeah, probably it was something I was like really aware of. Um, but as time passes, I think you become accustomed to the situation. I think I've become, hopefully not wrongly, you know, taking life a little bit more for granted. Not that you should ever particularly do that, but the acute sort of worry that I might not be here in like three months time, it's not there in the same way. You know, change of a scan result came back with a bad result, but I guess now I'm more hopeful um, that there are more years before me. And so you are going back to, where are you flying back to in a couple of weeks time? Uh, Islamabad in Pakistan. Yeah. And I'll be, I had to skip out Afghanistan, uh, so I got to the border with <laughs> Obvious Afghanistan. Obvious reasons. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So I got to the border with Afghanistan. Uh, I was in Tajikistan. And so there's a small section that I haven't been able to cycle. I'll be carrying on from the China-Pakistan border through Pakistan, through India, maybe through Bangladesh and Myanmar, and then hopefully I will end up crossing the border into China and getting to Beijing. And we haven't really talked about the tandem, um, which we need to mention, because there is a point to the tandem. Well, it's I mean, a love hate. I understand this. <laughs> this tandem. Yeah, this is true. I mean, this it's the tandem is a solution to sort of one of the demons in my nature, which is I'm not very patient. And I really wanted to share this journey with as many different people as possible. Um, but I also didn't want to sort of cycle my own bike and then cycle what would have felt like a very unsatisfying speed for me with people who hadn't been on the road and you know really used to cycling long distances um and so the tandem was the way of anyone pretty much uh no matter what your fitness level can come and join on the bike and you're always going to cycle the same speed you can choose how much energy you want to put in um i can choose how much i want to work on the front and so, so that's code for luke can 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 destroy himself on the front and you can sit and enjoy the scenery it's but precisely that, can actually that. Happen, that my mum will attest to that yeah Except for the bit when I then sort of got a bit frustrated with mum for doing <laughs> a bit too much weight. of that. Uh, mum, you're experienced cyclist. I know you can pedal harder, but you know. Um. I mean, that must have been intense having your mum on a tandem for, for quite long, quite big chunks of this ride. Well, maybe you should uh, you talk to her for a future episode of the podcast and get her side of the story for it. Do you know what? I might actually. Um, I might might see if I can do that. Um, yeah, so people can join, and um, I know that that you have had some people uh, from the UK fly out and join you, and it's been some other cannabis. It's been um, the people that have been on it have found it really rewarding, haven't they? Yeah, we've had um, I think ten cannabis joined so far. Um, you know, one of the big hopes of this ride is to bring as many cannabis into it as possible, and you know, show what is possible with a cancer diagnosis. And I think most people when hopefully this is going to be changing through doctors like you Lucy of like mm -hmm. people hear the word cancer and they think I'm I'm I'm, I'm toast and um actually 
you know, you can be active, you still can do physical activity that will really help through your treatment, post-treatment, pre-treatment. Uh, and this ride is hopefully one way of kind of showing that and just bring a bit more attention. Um, but yeah, it's, I think a, a lot of people, everyone who's joined has, has got a lot from it. Like Kate, uh, she's can liver and we cycled between Tashkent and uh, Bishkek. So through the, really the heart of Central Asia. And you know, she, she told me at the end that when she started, she was like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I was half expecting to, um, to, to get a train or I didn't book my return flight because I thought I might just go back from Tashkent because I wouldn't be able to hack it. And Kate cycled over a thousand kilometers through you know, mountains and 40 degree heat. And I mean, just the most, you know, she's an incredible woman and has incredible tenacity. And I think that's what a lot of people find when they do it, that they do have that tenacity, that, that, that willpower. And it's a wonderful thing to either reaffirm or discover that you have it in 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 huge quantities and what a great way of empowering that only i i it, it surprised me how we become friends from that random phone conversation which was a you know in effect a, a working relationship but i <laughs> we've had we've had some really amazing conversations and i i actually wish i'd recorded all of them because <laughs> um it's been fascinating for me I guess learning a little bit about what it is like to live with cancer, at, you know, on a friend basis, not as a doctor on mm. doctor patient conversation. And I guess a little bit about how that changes um, over time. Um, yeah, I remember having some 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 good conversations in the rain in the Yorkshire <laughs> Dales or the Yorkshire Moors where we're cycling up. Scotland mm. um but yeah I, I've obviously we are so grateful to you um for so you've raised I, I'm not sure a huge amount of money for us well over 20,000 pounds I think mm. um which 27 I think 27,000 pounds so um so far which you know to a, a small charity makes a massive massive difference so um grateful to you for being a friend and also for supporting 5k you always so much um and obviously for talking to us today no so thank you. it's a pleasure and I I just love what 5k your way do you know I love park run and then to combine the two you know we'll sort of bring in sort of a group for people who are with a cancer diagnosis don't feel confident about exercise like exercise for me was the most important most powerful way of getting through chemotherapy getting through radiotherapy I think both physically and mentally and I think it's anyone listening to this um it doesn't you absolutely don't have to get on your bike and cycle long distances but just be a little bit more active than you would otherwise and I think 5k your way is an amazing place to start because you can you know you can run jog walk you know you can crawl 5k you know the park runs and you're just going to do a little bit more than you would otherwise and I think that's just wonderful and actually a lot of people don't even do, you know they don't mm. don't do 5k they do a k or they volunteer mm. or they just come and come and meet other people who who get what it's like to be exactly as you say living with cancer I think mm. that's what I love about the can liver you're you know you're living you're mm. not just getting through life with cancer you're mm. living and you're like they're just the perfect example of that mm. um thank you very much we'll thank you Lucy <laughs> do you want to end given that you started gone do a little little summary 
Well, and that was the Movie Games Cancer podcast with uh, Lucy Gossage and Luke Grenfell Shaw. Do stay tuned for more episodes uh, with Lucy <laughs> asking the questions. Uh, and yeah, check out the Bristol to Beijing podcast if you like. If you're not sick of the sound of my voice, I share a few stories there. And Luke's mum, can uh, we get your number, please? <laughs> Bye. Bye. Wow. Um, well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, I always come away from chatting to Luke um, a little bit more enriched and a little bit, de- bit more determined to go away and make sure that I continue making the most of every um, every bit of life that I can. Um, although, as Luke says, um, I think it's okay to take a little bit of downtime every now and then. <laughs> um, it did make me chuckle when Luke uh, tried to take over by hosting the podcast himself. Um, he actually interviewed me about 18 months ago for the facing up podcast and i've done a fair few interviews um in over over the times um and the one the one i had with luke was certainly one of the most challenging so it was quite nice to be able to turn the tables um I, yeah, I really hope you've enjoyed listening. As I said in the introduction, if you want to know a little bit about like Luke's diagnosis, um, what it was like to go through his cancer treatment, um, perhaps um, hear, hear a bit about how he managed with the loss of his brother um, just after he was diagnosed, um, I really would strongly recommend that you go and listen to Helen Murray um, and Luke chatting on episode 11 of the Inside Tri, Tri- Show podcast. They had um, such an incredible conversation. It moved me to tears listening to it. Um, and I, I suspect it will probably do the same for you guys. Um, I am really privileged to have Luke as a friend. So thank you very much, Luke, for chatting to me. Um, if anyone is listening or is interested in joining Luke on the tandem, um, I promise uh, that everyone I've spoken to has had a brilliant time and you don't even need to pedal that hard. So get in touch with him. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Um, please do get in touch with comments, ideas, suggestions, um, ideas for new guests. Um, if you like it, um, if you have enjoyed it, we'd really appreciate a like or a share on social media, uh, even a review. But perhaps most importantly, tell your friends. Um, we like to think that the conversations we're having are of um, or would be interesting to anybody whether or not they are personally affected by cancer um, I can't think of much more inspiring than hearing about ordinary people doing extraordinary things despite a cancer diagnosis um, and it really is an utter privilege I can't I don't say that lightly an utter privilege to be having these conversations um, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks time um, thanks again for listening and have a great two weeks mm-hmm.